Against All Odds is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. It has great odds and markets for MLB, NFL, PGA Tour, and so much more awesome new and existing user promotions. It's America's number one sportsbook because it's easy to use, because it's safe and secure, and because you get your winnings fast. Now, winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours, and it's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. Discover the most popular same game parlays each day, right when you log in. And if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code against all odds so they know I sent you. Take it away, Dickie. Against all odds, happy 4th of July, everyone. We have one member of the Degenerate Trifecta. Harry is on board. The brothers are off trying to blow off their thumbs like uh, with M80s. I think it's a family tradition. But Harry is a big fan of our next guest. And how can you not be? He's a former standout goaltender turned Vegas odds maker who most notably was the runner up to me on Fox Bet Live season three. The odds of him insulting Harry at some point during this interview are minus 1200. Vegas Shark co-founder of the Bet the Board podcast. My good pal Todd Furman is here. What's happening, Furman? Not much. I applaud you guys for working on the holiday. The degenerate, the rest of the degenerate trifecta decides to take a couple of days off. So yeah. we know you guys are the linchpin holding the whole organization together. <laughs> and more importantly, Sal, the homage atop your head to what was a greater sports betting past with Lock It In. I just hope Fox doesn't come after you and decide to charge royalties for that heirloom. Uh, atop your dome. You're right. Yeah. I wonder how much this is worth. I think I know the answer. If a lock, lock it in was a show you and I worked on. It was two years. We'll lock it in. Then they changed the title to Fox bet live and it all kind of went a little bit downhill. I don't want to say it. There we go. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, Harry, we, yeah. Harry, we can honestly say the show no, but, started to go downhill once Sal won. Then it all completely oh, cratered. Come on. You know, that was it was a great, great season. I was, was, was going to say, yeah, <laughs> it, it's, inc- it's incredible. We, Sal didn't mention, Sal didn't mention that you were season one champ. Yeah, he, he conveniently Rachel left that out. Say. And uh, I'm still convinced yeah. to this day, Harry, that Sal was the one to push me out. Once he won season three, he <laughs> called, picked up the phone. He called the rest <laughs> of the folks at Fox and goes, you know what? We don't need that stupid Furman back with a chance to regain his glory. And then, no, no, Sal, no. why don't you share with why don't you share with all listeners yeah. how well you did in season four? Well, of, first of all, uh, why would I push you out? Why would I push you out? You were my easiest competition. I, I would need you around there. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's like oh, saying. There, there we go. I do listen. <laughs> no, for and all, all, all uh, funniness, I love the show and I do miss it a ton. All funniness. I, I, well, I miss Furman a lot. We, well, the we, clay stuff. We, the joke, clay stuff we joke around uh, about this, but uh, those are the aggressive. And I will say it's also, I would get crazy on Sunday afternoon. I'd have to turn on NASCAR. It would be me. Mm-hmm. It'd be Furman. It'd be Clay. We'd compete against each other every week. And it would almost always come down to Sunday afternoon, some NASCAR event that Furman bet. And I hate watching NASCAR, but I'd have to turn it on because I'd have like a gut wrenching Mm -hmm. feeling inside it. A lot of the week would hinge on whether or not Furman won his NASCAR prop. And it drove me crazy. And I'm, I'm, I'm in both ways. I'm glad. And I really miss uh, the competition because it really, uh, it was the best for me. I mean, I've had $10,000, 50, a lot mm -hmm. of money on games and it didn't size up to what we had. Yeah. I think you picked NASCAR on purpose, Todd, just to mess with Sal. Oh, that was part of it. There was no doubt about it. But uh, to Sal's point, the three years we spent going back and forth, the relationships that were forged on air, uh, and the reality of it was people went, you know, do you guys actually get along offset? 
And I'm willing to bet that there are TV shows in the sports realm where there haven't been nearly as many text messages exchanged between the four of us. Oh yeah. Uh, when we launched that show initially now, granted there was plenty of vitriol that came uh, maybe in the middle of season two, given some uh, non-sports related issues that may have manifested themselves. Right. Uh, but if anything, it brought us closer. And Sal, I have to take this opportunity though, for a shameless plug because NASCAR really came full circle about 10 days ago we launched a bet the board branded NASCAR podcast in conjunction with NASCAR. So they are officially in the bet the board business. Everybody now out there can go ahead and sweat NASCAR and Harry, we'll feed you a couple winners since I know the one out of 10 that you pick, you're going to tag me in inevitably one way or another. (laughs) So we'll get you to the winner circle. Hey, Todd, Todd, did you you have Luis Suarez the other day? I, I wish I had Daniel Suarez. I mean, talk about a dominant race. You know, a couple of weeks uh, ago right. at Sonoma. Oh, uh, great to so see you really talking about Daniel Suarez. Yo, what, Sal, what's you're out of the conversation. This is two adults that talking was, about making left turns in NASCAR. So, uh, well, I, uh, I don't know yeah. what took so long. Of course, NASCAR should recognize you and uh, Pain Insider. By the way, if you name your kid Pain Insider, they have to be, they have to be a degenerate gambler, right? There was no, no, no uh, chance for Pain to do anything but host a podcast with you. But good, good for you. That's great on the uh, NASCAR thing. And uh, I do want to say today being July 4th, I did not bet the Nathan's like NASCAR to me, even though uh, it's heavily bet and it's a big, big sport. That's as fringe as I'll go nowadays because the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. I didn't bet it today, Furman. I know there's no way you don't like these things. I'm calling your bluff here. There is no chance that you don't have (laughs) one bet on or Joey Chestnut parlayed into 36 seven other baseball games today, <laughs> figuring that that was the leg that was going to get you an extra seven cents. There's an over under on dogs consumed. <laughs> Sal, you can lie to most people. You can right. lie to your wife, but don't come on your own show and lie to all your loyalists. I think, you know, I, I wouldn't do that, but I had a bad betting experience with the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. And I actually stuck to my guns. I said, I'm not betting this anymore. I, I don't know if you remember the story. In fact, we had Joey Cheston on and we interviewed him on Fox bet live he famously, um, I bet the under 72 and a half hot dogs, he had 64 and a half hot dogs consumed. The Carnival Barker announcer is interviewing him after the contest. I was like, oh, I won. This is easy. And he announces, he's like, no, you guys forgot a plate. There was an extra 10 in there. I actually ate 74 and a half. And they don't even check it. They're like, 74 and a half, uh, 75, a new record. I was like, what? This is crazy. Where's the governing body? And this is the reason. This is the reason we could speak to this right now, why they won't, a lot of the books won't regulate this, right? Yeah, I mean, anything uh, that doesn't have a black and white scoreboard or something that can be identified in a box score, you're always going to open up that Pandora's box. And once you take the lid off, you really can't put it on there. And I think it's protections, not just for the sports book, but obviously for the betters as well. When you're betting an event, whether it be baseball, whether it be badminton, lacrosse, you name it, you want to know when you've won your bet And I think, you know, that kind of situation that played out there is part of the reason that anything that has a level of ambiguity gets a little bit dicier. But honestly, guys, we've seen this in the NBA when there's official stat corrections. We don't know what a rebound is. We don't Mm -hmm. know what a block is. Mm -hmm. So I think any of the time you're talking about some of the secondary markets over time, that stuff is going to balance it out. But as sports bettors, we only remember the ones that went against us more so than the ones uh, that were a fortuitous bounce for us. So, I mean, you saw that, but you you like to stay away from these things. Like you, or back, it was like the Wild West season one of Lock It In. We could bet like, and we did bet. I remember betting $300 on Handmaid's Tale to win 100. And I, I thought it was such a lock and I lost. I mean, there have been so many of these. I think Clay bet like, will, 
Romo and Nance uh, uh, announced yeah, the was, age discrepancy. I was going to say the roof between... be open too or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, there, all that there were stuff. so many different things. Where's Speaking of which, where's Lobo? Get Lobo into the fold. We need him to defend himself <laughs> for what was or wasn't allowed during season one of Lock It In. It really is something. It goes on and on. Um, now, I, I do want to pat myself on the back here. I think uh, you're going to tell me this is a terrible bet, but the NBA finals were atrocious from a, a viewing perspective. In my the entire in my, playoffs, I hate it. The playoffs, mm-hmm. but it would say Harry, yep. 56% of the games were 10 points or more blow. Even, even the yep. close games ended up blowouts. Right. So yeah. I said, instead of watching this, cause I have to watch it. Uh, I, I hate watching these blowouts. I'm going to take advantage. I was betting the minus nine and a half on both sides. Now, if you have a three point spread, the minus the favorite is going to be about plus 190 plus 210 the underdog is going to be about plus 450 i did well on this do you recommend the strategy for people you know long term absolutely not but i think given the <laughs> la- the lack of parity we saw i mean being willing and able to take a flyer if you feel a game is going to get out of control it does make some sense uh when you have to oftentimes go outside the box and we've seen it honestly you know not turning the nba into the nhl discussion but we saw it in the nhl playoffs Uh, A lot of games weren't decided by one goal like we'd grown accustomed to. So some of the sharpest betters that I talked to that normally would shy away from reverse puck lines and those sort of things on underdogs were looking to try and fatten the odds working in their favor, obviously for much smaller bets than their normal positions. But I think, you know, when you start to see some of these trends play out, you can capitalize if odds makers aren't adjusting enough. And by the way, Sal, I have to call it out. I was going to do my best to deadpan and try and keep a straight face with all this. Right. I thought Harry was going to have the most ridiculous backdrop being in the basement he is with a throwback to Casablanca and North African <laughs> Moroccan blinds. Yeah. But what's uh, going on on the couch over your right shoulder? Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to keep tabs yeah. on what's going on. Your own family member is so embarrassed by the show we're putting on. He or she has buried their head <laughs> under the pillows on your couch. In That's the a dog, Furman. That's not a yeah. family uh, member. It's not really a family member. I'm pretty sure Melissa would keep the dog and, and kick you to the curb faster than she's kicking well, the dog. That's the telling us so we should take you the a dog family member in the content and the hot dog. Sal's, contest. Ab- Sal's oblivious to the dog. Every podcast, always, whatever time <laughs> doing. What, we we uh, usually everything. bet the dog whenever the dog w- w- rolls in, whatever we're discussing, yeah. but we're just talking about, but, but I, I do want to uh, uh, seize on this a second. You said it's not a good long-term bet, the minus nine and a half both sides, but you're a math guy. Are blowouts here to stay in the NBA? I mean, it's all three-point mm-hmm. variants, right? Uh, uh, we're typically seeing yeah. one team go 10 for 34, and then that team doesn't have a chance, and that team gets blown out. Did we find until they change the style of play that maybe this is the way to go? Yeah, I mean, I think you raise an excellent point. I mean, talking about three-point variants and how squirrely these games can get or lopsided, I guess, you know, if a team gets hot from beyond the arc for years in college basketball, the three-point shot was considered the great equalizer. But mm-hmm. now in the NBA, it's the great differentiator. I mean, if a team goes three of 17 from beyond the arc in the first half, they find themselves down by 20 and things snowball. Now, I'm not the biggest NBA better. I'm not a massive NBA fan. Well, I watch some of the biggest games, of course, because I love the star power as a part of it. But I think as you see more and more teams rely on the three and you see guys, you know, feeling comfortable to pull from 25 feet, we move the arc back once already. Maybe it's a legitimate conversation that has to be had with the NBA to open up the paint, create more space on the floor, move that three point line back again. And of course, purists out there will go, well, it's, you know, the integrity of records, this, that, and the other. I think you have to be fluid and adjust to the game. And these athletes are just getting too good from distance that if you want to try and emphasize, you know, paint play, 
uh, and get some more size involved. You have to do something to kind of space out that offensive end. So maybe if we're having this dialogue a couple of years from now, you know, that three point line has moved back yeah. three or four feet. And mm. we're talking about a completely different game outside of the MTV rock and jock peach basket, which I don't think will get added for well, 40 points. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but, and by the way, we could work backwards. There's enough data out there. Just figure out how many three pointers you want attempted in a game. And then, you know, there's enough data yep. like, okay, they won't take the shot from this far back. So move it back six inches or eight inches. It does mm. screw up the corner three though. Right. I mean, there's almost no room there anyway. So what do you do? You just, just extend the top of the key three, Yeah. I mean, I think there's some unique ways that they can try and go about it. And look, I won't have claimed to crunch all the numbers to know exactly where the proliferations come from. And to your point, you know, that guys are going to work on the corner three if it's a shorter shot, Mm -hmm. but we see it in tennis. I mean, the net height is not the same in the middle of the net as it is if you're trying to hit passing shots along the baseline. So what's to say we couldn't have that in the NBA because it'll allow teams defend a little bit differently. They'll be able to push players to the perimeter and you can see guys getting a lot more open looks from the top of Yeah, I think you have to be fluid as athletes get bigger, faster and stronger than they've ever been in the past. You know, rules have to change. Uh, Football seems to be the only one that can withstand the test of time um, for whatever reason, as far as spatial dimensions and everything else. Right. Baseball, they move the uh, fences back. Every ballpark is a different dimension anyway. Yeah, for sure. So but I do want to ask it like back to the trend. So I had this minus nine and a half plus uh, thing going and it was like 11 of the last 14 uh, Warriors games, uh, 11 of the last 12 Celtics games, it hits. I was flying high, but giving it out to someone, isn't it? Do you feel weird giving out a monstrous trend that wins? So the Lightning were 19 and one at home after a loss at some point, right? Do you feel weird giving it out? Because at that point, it's still 50 50. Can you speak to trends and how, yeah, you can get excited about it, but eventually the odds makers adjust, even though it doesn't seem like that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, betting markets are fluid and over time, obviously you're going to see these trends accounted for. And if we're staying on the NBA, not to, you know, make it necessarily an apples to oranges comparison, but it's a lot of what I used to bet blindly. When you were talking about a team coming home in an NBA series, facing an O2 deficit, you could bet them in the first quarter in the first half, because those numbers were just hung as a derivative of the full game number. Now books are getting smarter. They understand the trend that's out there. And a team that may be a one or one and a half point dog for the full game could be as much as a two and a half or three point favorite in the first half to kind of price people out. And when you're talking about some of the trends, those secondary markets that don't get as much attention uh, from betters, you can capitalize on those a lot longer. And, And you've seen it in the NHL, like you were talking about, whether it's first period totals, whether it's yes, no, a goal in the first 10 minutes. I mean, there was a time earlier this year where the Devils weren't priced correctly for a goal in the first 10 minutes. And those numbers eventually ballooned out to $3 and three thirty, mm. and some astronomical mm. price tags. So for folks that were chasing the trend to the end, they were obviously eroding their bankrolls. And if you're Johnny come lately, that's not going to pay off. But to your point, I mean, a lot of these things, you know, are 50-50 propositions at minus a dollar ten. And if you're talking about an individual right. occurrence, you have to kind of put the previous 15 to 18 games you know, to the sideline because it doesn't have any impact on what you're going to see the night of. Yeah. I felt bad giving it out. I'm like, look, you could lose this and it would still be a big winner because you have to kind of be following it for the last three weeks. Furman, I want to talk about the state of the industry, uh, sports gambling industry, but let's take a quick break and we'll discuss that in just a moment.
This baseball season turned K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up, place your first bet, and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. It has great promotions every day. Safe and secure app. You get paid fast. There's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sportsbook. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code against all odds to get started with your no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars um i want to talk about the state of sports gambling in the in my state and the country by the way what's going on with california i feel like you went to sacramento to testify a few years ago (laughs) and pushed the sports gambling agenda and it was right then where everything went to shit and now they say (laughs) it's supposed to be on the uh, on the on the docket or whatever in in november and uh, I don't know. I, I'm not excited about it when I see, you know, like New Yorkers not being able to bet, you know, player props for the NBA draft last week. So what what are we to look at with California? Yeah, I mean, clearly me going to Sacramento had a bigger negative impact on the state of gambling <laughs> in California than that whole pandemic thing that set the entire country right. back for multiple years. So <laughs> revisionist history at its finest, Harry. Let's Sal throw me under the yep. bus so the Californians <laughs> won't welcome me with open arms. But California is in a unique spot, um, and it's similar to what we've seen kind of play out in Florida, where they had legalization at Hard Rock for about seven minutes. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley got sucked in for those seven minutes and is yeah. paying the price for it. But California has some tribal compacts that they have to work through, and it's figuring out how to allow mm-hmm. the tribes to keep their rights and have access to some of the regulated betting markets, whether it's with you know, some of the more traditional operators, FanDuel, et cetera, to kind of come in and run book but will it be mobile? Will it just be retail over the counter? And I think until the state's able to work through that, even if it passed by overwhelming public sentiment as a ballot measure in November, that it's not going to be as simple as flipping a switch and allowing the floodgates to open. But you talked about New York, and I think New York is already running into a heap of problems as far as the tax rates and just how untenable it is for the operators to offer truly competitive products And if you can offer minus 110 on both sides for NFL games and most stick and ball sports, then the long-term viability of that isn't going to be sustainable. And we've seen that in some states where there's monopolies with lotteries and everything else, suddenly the price tags juice out to minus 113, it's minus 115. And when that's the case, any of us that have bet offshore or have played with locals, we're not going to take all of our money and go, you know what, let's bet in the regulated market because we have consumer protections if we're getting an inferior product being dealt to us. So I think a lot of those states have to figure out how to protect the customers, how to create a competitive product uh, and allow folks to bet the right way. But at the same time, I mean, the state of sports betting, what are we, four years, five years past PASPA? I'm not nearly as optimistic now as I was initially. I think that that first wave of momentum was great. But you're seeing a lot of sports uh, states, excuse me, with antiquated thought processes, with college bans, with yeah. draft props and a lot of different mm-hmm. things. Whereas for me, I'd want it to open up the full betting menu. If it's good for one state, it's good for another. And if there's anything that goes on from an impropriety standpoint, then you take a look back and you kind of make some of those adjustments for your betting menus. Yeah. So it seems like what you're saying is we are a long ways away from, you know, they may legalize in Texas. And, and I think that's when the second wave comes because there's still some giant states out there. Who, who are not, yep. It's not kosher in California, Texas, Florida, uh, you know, all these. So um, but 
right. saying that it's legal in those states. You, you still can't bet in Michigan what you can bet in New Jersey, what you can't bet in New York. I don't think we'll all be on the same page for another decade, I think, be, in terms of, uh, oh, why does FanDuel, why can you bet this in New Jersey? But you can't bet, uh, you know, you can't bet the Heisman here. It's um, the, is, is 10 years good? I, I want to know your five-year plan overall, but First of all, when do we? When will we all be like, okay, great, we could all bet the same thing all the time in any state? Yeah, I don't think that's coming anytime soon. And I think right. honestly, ten years is ambitious on really? that. I mean, wow. if I was looking at a five-year plan, wow. I'd love the thought process, guys, to say that hey, look, sports betting was legal in forty-five states in some capacity. We know there are going to be some holdouts. I don't ever expect sports gambling to be legalized in Utah. There are some other states out there as well that's going to be much more difficult in terms of uh, you know barriers to entry. And even just a couple of weeks ago in North Carolina, we saw what was one of the more you know forward-facing sports betting bills that people thought was going to pass you know without much resistance. You had a lot of you know Bible beating that was going on about, yeah. about the potential pitfalls of sports betting and what it can do. So North Carolina is not going to have sports betting in 2022. And Ohio is another state where you have major professional franchises and the biggest, arguably one of the biggest college football programs as well, that they still haven't been able to push through sports betting from a mobile standpoint. Something people thought was a formality in 2022 because people come in with other biases and you know they pervade the sports gambling discussion the same way they do a lot of the other political issues that our country's facing right now. Yeah. So, I mean, there's two sides. So there's the Native American issue. That seems to be the biggest in California and yeah. Florida. And then there's the other one, like oh, gambling is bad for you kind of thing. Right. So that, yeah, you're up against a lot of these things. I do want to say like, like Darren Ravel will come up with something every week where uh, $90 billion was made a uh, bet in mm -hmm. New Jersey this, this month or something. And people are like, Oh yeah, sports gambling. Wow. The DraftKings, the FanDuel's that they must be making money hand over foot. But as you pointed out there, these entities are getting taxed so heavily that the state's making money does not equal the books making money for sure. Right. So yeah, I mean, you talk five years from now, consolidation seems to be the answer. Is it DraftKings, Fandle, Amazon, Fanatics, or even fewer? Do they consolidate even, even t more tight than that? Yeah, I mean, the path to profitability, to your point, Sally, is always tough because, I mean, they're essentially giving away the store now. I mean, we've seen in every new state that comes online, the massive sign-up bonuses that are there and the different promotions to try and attract people to brand. So I think what's fascinating, and you look at the way, you know, Wall Street has kind of uh, gone about evaluating some of these gambling stocks, they're changing their pitches, you know, in their quarterly earnings meetings, and they're going, oh, well, we're profitable in X, Y, and Z states. Well, as a shareholder, I don't give a damn if you're profitable in three states and you're losing your ass in another 15. Right. Figure I want to know when yeah. money is flowing through from top line handle to, to bottom line revenue. And I don't see a scenario playing out for some of the bigger operators given the amount of money that they've been spending for at least a couple of years. So to your point, I think consolidation is inevitable. And if you were looking at the landscape, I mean, you mentioned FanDuel, part of the flutter umbrella. DraftKings, you know, they continue to grow and they're spending money. I have some skepticism. I mean, I know how what their burn rate looked like in DFS when they were given a lifeline for, mm -hmm. you know, sports betting to try and reinstitute things, but they seem to have endless coffers in terms of raising more capital and taking advantage there. But I think the brick and mortars are well positioned as well because your Caesars, your bet MGMs, they right. can absorb, you know, some of the costs associated with sports gambling through physical entities. And, you know, when you're talking about, you know, balance sheets and how everything is siloed a little bit, 
once you start to get online casino, I think that's where all of these operators are going to find their windfall because the margins for online casino far outweigh sports betting. And it's a significantly higher hold historically than, you know, whatever we're talking about, the five to 7% that some of these operators are writing. And you mentioned fanatics. I'm going to be interested to see what the fanatics business model looks like. Some very smart people uh, that have an established precedent and track record uh, within the space, you know, how they're able to go about operating and what their business strategy will be, knowing that they probably have a more extensive marketing base to work to uh, than any of the existing operators. Hmm. But I think the same could have been said about FanDuel and DraftKings having all those DFS customers, and they still spent hmm. a lot of money to try and bring in fresh faces. Weird, you didn't mention Foxbed. You went off about two and a half minutes. <laughs> I heard yeah. casinos, I, I heard I, all of them. Yeah. Sal, I got as much Foxbed stock as you want. I can sell it to you for <laughs> pennies on the dollar. You might be able to find it on the pink sheets if you're looking for penny okay. stocks. I'll look for it on the pink sheet. Hey, <laughs> I ask you this question. Well, first of all, people ask me this question. And I hate answering it. And so what I'm going to do is ask you, what was rock bottom for you gambling wise, aside from maybe coming in third place to Clay in season two? Well, what, I, what, because yeah, I that, asked you, that, I the asked season you, never happened. That, that yeah, season sure. never happened. It was stricken from the records. I was taking shots and you're uh, the only the one who welcomed COVID at that time. It's very sad, but, but you're hey, rooting against the country. Yeah. I was the one that was on air doing shows from home with COVID. That's getting true. Notes from our executive team. Todd needs to show a little bit more energy when he's doing these hits. <laughs> talking about NFL division. That was the bad COVID too. Yeah, exactly. Well, I always ask you, how much do you have on this? You're like, Oh, it's a pretty, pretty big play for me. About six units. I'm like, Oh, shut up with your units. Tell me how much. <laughs> Tell me what was rock bottom for you. It could have been probably you're smarter about this stuff now, although it seems like you've yeah. been smart about it for a while. But there must have been some time where you were like ducking out of the back room of uh, Caesars, uh, figuring out where you're going to get your next uh, meal. No, the uh, rock bottom for me um, was probably from a dollars that I had invested in a game to percentage of my bankroll was the Alamo Bowl. God, I don't even know how many years ago at this point <laughs> between TCU and Oregon. So mm -hmm. I was actually down there for the game in San Antonio and I'd been walking around, trying to get myself, myself a coffee first thing in the morning. And I started to hear some buzzing in our hotel that TCU starting quarterback at the time, Trevon Boykin had gotten himself into a altercation. Uh, on the river walk and wasn't going to be available for the game. So of course, the first thing I did, I could care less about what's actually had happened, you know, who was hurt, you know, what this meant in the big picture. It was, all right, has this number moved? Has that information been made public? So it hadn't. So I decided that I was going to run and I was going to bet Oregon at a pick them and then figure out what to do with it. You know, a little bit later on, uh, you know, 90 minutes or so after that, I find out that Boykin is indeed going to be suspended with a couple other TCU players, number balloons out to seven. Wow. And at that time, I mean, what I have 4,000 on the game was, you know, a massive bet for me that I had laid out, you know, when I was working probably off a, you know, $30,000 bankroll. Mm -hmm. So I, the number moves out and the smart, prudent thing to do would have been to come back over the top and play the middle. But, you know, I'm thinking, Hey, look, I, I don't see it happening. I know where TCU's quarterback is for me on the depth chart. Well, I go to the game at the Alamo bowl. And Oregon builds, I want to say it was a 35 nothing lead. Yeah, I going, remember going this into game. The half. Was, a, was this about like three a Friday minutes to night? Go in the game. Yeah. yeah, with about mm. three minutes to go in the first half, Vernon Adams gets absolutely crushed. And TCU scores before the half. He gets ruled out for the game. But because the Alamo is the biggest piece of shit as far as stadiums <laughs> were concerned back then, had no access to a cell phone reception, couldn't call any of my guys to try and get off You know, some of the bat and look to play what then would have yeah. been an absolutely massive middle. Monster, and monster. As, yeah. And as luck would have it, Harry, uh, that lead didn't quite last nearly as long as I would have thought. 
I was in attendance with, you know, pain insider at the game. And he saw me slump down in that seat more and more with each <laughs> uh, passing horn frogs touchdown. Ultimately TCU wins and covers in overtime. I'm rooting like hell for Oregon to go for two uh, in one of the overtimes. And then of course, because the gambling gods love to laugh at everyone's misery, it's pissing freezing rain for the mile and a half walk that I have to make back to the hotel. <laughs> that insult to injury. So yeah, that was oh. probably the biggest uh, rock bottom gambling moment for me. And it just taught me a little bit more about bankroll management, but honestly, Sal, it pales in comparison to uh, the Rams and saints NFC championship. So I'll never be able to, yeah, that, that, bad too. that was a big, big, uh, mm. well, I had clay involved in that. So how the hell am I going to, how are we both? That's a good win? point. That, that no was way. a perpetual right. black cloud hanging over your head. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Harry, <laughs> go ahead. I know you have a question for Todd. He, he has to get going soon. So go ahead. What do you got? Todd, a little, little football here. Yeah, I got uh, fireworks look, to light big... off here. It's the holiday. You guys <laughs> are taking right. my time away on 4th of July. <laughs> You're a Vegas guy. I used to be a Vegas guy until like Sal likes to tell people that I got kicked out of town. But uh, the I, heard the, same, I heard the same things, Harry. I've talked to my people, the Red Rock you know, Casino. They corroborate that story. They said you're persona <laughs> non grata. You're 86 oh. from all stations casinos. That's right. I'm not afraid to say it. station casino sucks. I'm saying it straight <laughs> up. They are the worst. For such phonies. Anyways, uh, Raiders he's been thrown out of much more reputable uh, casinos. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the worst. Uh, anyways, 10 wins last year, tasted the playoffs. They've got Devonte Adams now and a new coach in Josh McDaniels picked up Chandler Jones who had 19 and a half sacks uh, a couple of years back for the Cardinals at seven to one for the division. Is that incredible for you? For a guy who loves value, is that incredible? This value is the Raiders. The Giants yeah. are six to one. The Raiders, considering the Giants are six to one to win the East, and they barely could put up a touchdown last season. The Raiders at seven to one. Is that incredible value? I hate to say this. I like this too. I don't understand well, it. Well, first things first, talking about station casinos, uh, there's now officially a target on Harry's back from the Fertitta family. So, Harry, <laughs> when you come to Vegas, make sure you're looking over your right shoulder at all times. But I did. Did speak to the people of Arizona, Charlie's. They said you were the best. They said you were the best. They said you were the best employee they ever had that manned the buffet. So kudos for that. At least you'll always have one place to come back to. Uh, Now, as far as the Raiders, (laughs) overrated. As far as the Raiders are concerned, you know I worry about this roster. I think they were extremely fortunate down the stretch last year. I mean, you look at an offense that struggled to move the ball consistently. Sure, Devontae Adams Mm. gives them a true number one that they desperately lacked uh, for extended stretches last year but it almost felt like they lived a charmed existence. I mean, Rick Bisaccia was getting the most out of them. I wrote them off for dead before that Thanksgiving day and they embarrassed the Dallas Cowboys, which seemed to kind of rejuvenate their season. I don't remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I just look at the roster and I think defensively, there are a lot more questions uh, than they can answer. Uh, to your point, Harry, bringing Chandler Jones opposite Max Crosby, I really think will pay dividends, but the secondary still a major True. concern for me. And when I look at the Chargers improvements, I mean, if I'm talking about value in the AFC West, I won't write the Chiefs off for dead and I'm not ready to eulogize him yet in this season. But I think the Chargers at any price better than two to one make an awful lot of sense if you believe that Justin Herbert's going to continue to take strides forward. And this defense that was absolutely porous, especially against the run, will get better with some of the key offseason acquisitions. I'm excited. I'm excited for football. You just got me back. This happens like once a day. I'll read something. I'll hear something. Now I'm, I know we're like 80 days away or whatever, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm very, and by the way, I get mad when I see uh, you, know, uh, you, you promoting bet the board. We're going five power conferences and all eight NFL divisions yep. with pain inside. I'm like, Oh Jesus, 
what uh, we have so much work to do, Harry. These guys are all over. This is like someone yep. saying they're done with their Christmas shopping uh, the week before Thanksgiving. I'm like, son of a bitch, how do you do it? This is supposed to be the slow time. You're supposed to be vacationing, and you're you're in your in your house, and uh, you're in your pool studying in Henderson. Yeah, the incredible part is the off season gets shorter and shorter. I mean, we're doing yeah. previews earlier. I mean, we talked about it. I mean, I think we gave out we our ACC preview went live in the middle of June where we didn't start doing previews previously until July. And honestly, I still feel late to the game because college football win totals are up everywhere. I don't bet into them nearly as aggressively as I should mm -hmm. um, with a willingness to tie up money for six plus months. But the days of us having a true off season as sports bettors, uh, I mean, I long for those, Sally. When you used to be able to go radio silent after the all-star break, take a couple of weeks before football cranked up in earnest in August, I mean, it just doesn't exist now. Can't so do it. Yeah. I try and take a little bit of time, you know, in April and May, where it's mainly just the NHL playoffs going on. Just had an 11 day trip back to the East coast, um, which was nice, but yeah, it's full football, full steam ahead right now. And uh, hopefully we can give you a couple of NASCAR sweats to keep you engaged on Sundays uh, until we talk about toe meat and leather. Yes. I love it. I'm in, uh, I'm in on the NASCAR time. Well, you know what? I'm going to start watching too because I get bored Sunday afternoons. I'm like, there's nothing here. There we here. go. Get on board, yeah. Sally. Get I'll on board. It. It's always a screw job at the end for me. Hey, be honest because I know you have to go. Who do you me miss too. most? Gassy Gagnon's got winners for you. There we <laughs> go. Or hit the Gagnon. gas Gagnon, whatever the hell he's calling like himself these Gagnon. days. I think he called the drive Gagnon. <laughs> Gassy style, yeah. Uh, who do you miss most, Todd? Me, Clay, or Rachel? Be honest. Oh, that's that's a no-brainer. I miss you the most because Thank there was you, no man. better feeling than when I got to put the crown on a Monday morning. Oh, stop it. And you look like right. I had murdered murdered your entire family and you were so miserable and Harry, I never, I'll leave on this note. I never really believed how angry Sal got until Melissa would tell me at dinner, we sat down in Redondo beach. It was oh, yeah. Melissa, Sal, yeah. my fiance, who was then girlfriend, Nicole and I, and Melissa goes, you have no idea how angry Sal used to get every week you beat him. And even though he got the best of me in season three, that was all the validation I needed to know that I got my <laughs> yep. pound of flesh, Very especially nice. in season. The one. other side Very of nice that time. is I, you know, and these NASCAR events, I would end up betting what you needed to win. So I'd have like $500. By the way, I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking the mic with you and we'll continue to chat, but we're yeah. going to get ourselves set up on set. So you guys get to see the whole office right now. So. Oh, go ahead. Wow. Nice. Go. Oh, I do like this. I you do like this. Yeah. I would, yeah, I, I would bet you're all, oh, this you is want nice. a little behind the scenes. So. Beautiful, beautiful. Right, I'm listening. No, I would bet what you needed to win on Fox Bet Live, and then I would lose. I, I would be, I would happily lose like seven hundred dollars on, um, you know, uh, the Harvick to come in top three or something. Right. Which, just to put which on Harry, that, which Harry is a ninety nine cent. Harry, that's a little bit weird day. though because Fox Bet Live only paid me seven hundred dollars to do the entire <laughs> season. So <laughs> that's what was more bizarre about Sal's willingness just to win a competition that was that supposed is a to be little bizarre, quote unquote friendly. All right, I'm letting you go because I'm getting dizzy here. And I know you have a lot of work to do. I appreciate it. Todd Furman. Oh, check it out. Bet the board. It's now affiliated with NASCAR. I don't know what took so long. Wow. God bless nice. you, Furman. So we do, we do what we can. Uh, thanks, guys, as always. I appreciate you having me on. Hopefully you took your Dramamine before that final 30 seconds dancing around the office. But uh, everyone, enjoy the 4th of July. Harry, you with your new bride. Sal with all the family members that I like better than you. Nah. Um, so have fun with the boys. Keep David under control as best you can. And we'll have to do this again, guys. Before football starts. All right, pal. Thomas, I'll Thanks, see you. Dad. Take see you, care, bud. buddy. All right. That'll do it for another episode of Against the Law. It's pretty good. Harry, right? You love Furman. Very good. All right. Todd's yeah. the best. Uh, that'll do it. Everyone enjoy their uh, 4th of July for uh, spaghetti and meatballs for Harry and Todd Furman. I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping. Na 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 na
Dun 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 d